Welcome to the Sanctus NYC Message Podcast. We are the young adult community of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, built on the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Join us today as we look to God to lead us into the fullness of the life that he has for us. All right, so we're going to get into the word for today. It's not going to be too long, but I'm actually really excited for this. So I'm going to pray us in right now. And as I pray, would you just open your heart to the Lord and invite him to come and speak to you? Jesus, we give you the rest of this meeting today. Each of us, we thank you that you have said, draw near to you and you'll draw near to us, that when we seek you, we find you. And so together, God, as we go into this last part of the meeting today, we seek you in our hearts. As we open your word, we ask that you will make it alive and real to us and that we will all walk out of here, God, having heard from you, strengthened in our faith, living in more of what you have for us. We ask this all tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I was reading this week in an article feed, and it was talking about our generation, Gen Z. Most of us here, I think, are Gen Z. Who was born after 97? Raise your hand. 97 or after? Okay. So it's like half of us. If before 97, raise your hand. Oh, my goodness. We got some millennials, unfortunately. Um, so, regardless, you guys are close enough that you're kind of like the millennial rejects. Uh, you're, you're kind of on the borderline of Gen Z. You kind of fit into this generation a little bit. And one of the things that in this article I was reading this week, it said this. This is a really famous social psychologist. And this is what he said about our generation living in America in 2023. He said that we have a whole generation that is doing terribly. (laughs) I think we all could probably agree with that, right? (laughs) Um, It said, when you look at Americans born after 95, what you find is that they have extraordinarily high rates of anxiety, depression, self-harm, suicide, and fragility. There has never been a generation this depressed, anxious, and fragile. Speaking about Gen Z, it said that Gen Z at 42% of the people, tens of millions of people, are twice as likely as the rest of America um, to battle depression and feelings of hopelessness. And so you just think about what it means to exist in this day, in this culture, Very clearly, there are these battles that are being waged against our souls. To be alive in this day is to be hopeless and depressed and confused and just feeling like, what's the point? What real clarity and direction is there? We're just being in this society, in this culture alone, presents us not with just one or two battles. There are so many different battles that we're facing and things that are coming for us. And so that's just what it means to be in this culture, this society. But then you think about the battles that we face in work, the interpersonal relationships, the bosses, the coworkers, the beef, the pettiness, the gossip, all of that stuff. You think of the battles that we face in our families with families at war against each other, aunts, cousins, siblings, parents. You think of 
from a Christian understanding the battles that we face against ourselves. The Bible teaches that with all of these other things that are coming at us, the biggest thing that's coming at us is us. Our confusion, our understanding of, well, this is what life is really about. This is what I really want. This is what's going to deliver what my heart is looking for. And we're wrong all the time. And we're at war with these confused desires and ideas that we have. And then the Bible goes even further and says, we are at war. We're at these getting battles thrown at us left and right from supernatural darkness. There is an enemy. The Bible says the devil has a game plan and a strategy for how he wants to derail us and keep us outside of the life that Jesus has for us. So you just sit there, and we're obviously talking about that from a Christian perspective. From a non-Christian perspective, I can't imagine how you could possibly have hope, how you could possibly, it's like the only way that you could really not feel existential dread with not being a Christian is just by not thinking too hard about life. Because the moment you start thinking about it, the moment you begin to realize how out of control everybody is, how your little life, this speck on earth, you're only gonna be here for a little bit, the world's probably gonna blow up one day, there might be nuclear war, the, all of these people are against you, the system's rigged against you, climate change is gonna destroy everything, you just go through this list of stuff, and when you see all of the messaging that's coming out us, the only way that you could not feel like, what, what point is there other than me just trying to find what makes me happy in a moment? <laughs> the only way that you don't do that is just by, yeah, by being mindless and just by trying to get your little thing where it's like, yeah, I'm really into fitness. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm working out for two years. And it's like life is just about you're just trying to get the, you can't get the full six pack, but you just want the top four to look a little bit more chiseled. And that's what you're alive for. <laughs> And then you get kind of close, and then it's like, I'm empty. <laughs> All of the, the overwhelming battles of life, it's like there's no answer. But the beautiful thing about this gospel of Jesus Christ that we've put our faith in here, it is not religion. It's not just going to church. This is what Jesus, in his word, tells us he offers us in the middle of this crazy world. Let's put up that first verse really quick. Right before he leaves, as he's ascending to heaven, he says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So what he's essentially saying is, yes, you have an entire world against you, but that world I have defeated, I have overcome. And because you're in me, the world can't overcome you. Because you are within me, all of the craziness of life, it doesn't define your life anymore. I define your life. Let's put up this next verse really quick. Romans 8.37 says this. No, despite all of these things, all of the things that I just said, the craziness of life, of your family, of your world, of being in America in 2023, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And so this is the message of the gospel, that when we put our faith in Jesus, overwhelming victory over what? Over the world around us, over ourselves that's constantly trying to blow its own life up. He's saying, I came, I've overcome it all, and through me, I am going to overcome in your life all of the things that come against the life that I've created you for. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. 
And so if you're here today, maybe some of us are not walking with Jesus. Maybe you have some idea of religion and going to church. But that idea of, wait, Jesus brings life and wholeness and victory where I'm, my life isn't defined by what I've been through or my own sin and mistakes or the crazy society and oppressive systems and the world around me. My life is defined by the love and faithfulness and goodness of God, and it's experiential. Like It's not something you just tell yourself to convince yourself in bad moments so you feel better about bad things. It's real. You are victorious. You've overcome all of these things. That's the message of Jesus. And if you're here and maybe you're not following Jesus and you just have some idea of religion, but it's not that, then I want to start by saying you have no idea who Jesus really is and who he has promised to be to you. Some of us here maybe have tried religion kind of in the past, and maybe you feel disillusioned because you're like, I've tried it, it didn't really work, now I'm trying to figure out my own path. If you've tried this, but you haven't seen that victory and power and wholeness that Jesus promised you, then you didn't see the real thing in your life. The issue isn't Jesus and the gospel. It was something that was getting in the way in your own heart from who God wanted to be. And Jesus wants to open our eyes today to see this is not just being religious, fitting God into a little corner of our life. It transforms everything where our life isn't controlled by the sin done against us or our own sin. We are more than victorious through Jesus. So what does that practically mean for your life? If this is true, then this applies to your continual falling into pornography. If this is true, then this victory is the promise to your continued battles with lust or anger or your temper or your selfishness or your laziness. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could be stuck. He came so that we could live victorious life in his power. That is the gospel. That's what's available for you and I today. And so when you look at your life and something is stuck and you're like, I've tried, I have tried to work myself up, I've tried to have people lay hands on me and pray for me and get it out of me or whatever, but I just can't get over this continual thing. Why am I still stuck? That becomes the question. It's either this isn't real, it's either the gospel doesn't have power and you're just realizing this is all a, a pyramid scheme that people are just trying to manipulate you by using the word of God or whatever, or this is real and you need to begin to press in and say, God, I'm not settling for less than the victory that you said you came to bring me. I don't want to just have more of the same. I want to see this overcoming power and life, overcoming the sin of my heart, the sin of the world around me, and living in peace and joy and wholeness and holiness. And so the question then becomes, how? How do we get this? How do we get more of God in our lives so we can begin to see this power change us? And that's where we're going to go to our next verses for today. So can you put up that next one? So we're going to read through three verses really quick. Mark 1.35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark. Some of us have not seen a dark morning in years. <laughs> Be convicted by that if you see that. Feel the conviction. Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Next verse. 
Matthew 14, 23 says, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Next verse. Uh, is there one other one? Not that one. We'll get there. Hold on. Nope. All right, you could take. Oh, yeah, here we go. Luke 4.42 says, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. Um, okay, so you could take that off for now. So, obviously, the theme of these three verses, looking through them, you see Jesus sometimes in the morning, another time it says late at night, but in the middle of this life and this will that God was leading him in, performing these miracles, preaching, living out God's plan, he had to continually step away from everything, get alone with God, and pray. So hearing that, that might be kind of confusing. If you hear that and you think, well, isn't Jesus God? Why would Jesus need to pray? You would think, like, he's out here performing all these miracles, this supernatural power. Why would he be tired and need to be getting alone and seeking God and praying and asking for God to help him? And that is the, uh, that, that points us to the incarnation. It's a theological word. What that word means is Jesus, the second person in the Godhead, God himself came as a man. He was always eternally existing before Christmas, before being born in a manger. But in that moment, came and took on flesh, became a human being. And in that, the Bible teaches us that although he was God, he took limitation on himself of being a human. It wasn't that he wasn't God anymore. It wasn't that he was less God, but he willingly humbled himself and took limitation, became like us. And because of that, he, he couldn't do what he was doing with the limitations that he put on himself apart from prayer. Prayer was his lifeline. In the middle of him pouring out, he had to continue to get alone with God. Early in the morning, late at night, seek him. And there he would find renewal, refreshing, power, grace for the things that God called him to. There's this crazy verse where Jesus says, the son can do nothing apart from the father. Does that mean that Jesus wasn't powerful? Does that mean that he wasn't God? No, but with the limitations, he made himself limited like us. And because of that, he models and begins this human life. And he says that I can do nothing except through what I can do through dependence on God. Why? Because he took on human flesh. He was like you and I. And so my question for you, number one, before we get into what we get into today is this. If Jesus himself could do nothing apart from God, had to get alone with him on a consistent basis and seek him and get grace and strength and power to live the life that God had for him, you think you're better than Jesus? You think that you need God less than Jesus did? Jesus came put on flesh like you and me. And in that place, he looks at the world and says, I can do nothing except through the Father. What does that say about my life and your life? Put up that next verse really quick in Hebrews. 
It says, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, obviously that's speaking about Jesus. He is our high priest, which means because of what he did for us, he is our advocate in heaven with God. And it says, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. You could keep it there for a second. So essentially what that's saying is, because he was a man, because he put on human flesh, he could do nothing apart from God. And now he looks at all of us and he says, I've walked in your shoes. This life that God has called you to live, firsthand, I know how impossible it is for you to do on your own. Every tempting trial, testing that you could possibly face in this life, within yourself, with the world coming at you, with the enemy attacking you, I know what it's like. And I know that you can't do this. So, the next verse. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And so, just to continue to build this out a little bit. So what Jesus is now saying to all of us is, like I say often here, you can't do this. This life that's in front of you, the sin that's in your heart, you, apart from my help, blow this thing up every time. When you look at your life, you look at the struggles that you continue to have, the selfishness, all of those things that we listed, your temper, continuing to fall back into the same sins over and over again, trying to overcome it, but not being able to do it. Why? Because Jesus himself is looking at you and saying, you can't do this. I came as a man. I came with human limitation. And the only way that I lived this life of power and holiness was through dependence on God. Before what I did for you on a cross, it was impossible for you to depend on God. The Bible says, because of our sins, we were enemies of God. But because of what Jesus has done for us now, when we put our faith in him and we become his children, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can go back to the life that God created us for, which is not me just in a couple areas where I'm weak, calling on his help, him helping me, and me doing a little better. It's me, I was created to depend on God like Jesus showed us in every area of my life. The reason why before Jesus I was stuck is because I couldn't depend on him. My relationship with him was broken. But now, because of what Jesus has done for me on the cross, I can depend on God moment by moment, day by day. I can get all of the strength, all of the grace, all of the help, all of the renewal, all of the wisdom, all of the power, all of the self-control, everything that I don't have within myself that apart from him, I'm stuck in. He says, now the throne is open. There's access that you have to me as much as anybody has ever had. And now, come boldly to the throne of grace, and you will have grace and mercy. So what does that mean? If you're here today, and you look at areas in your life where you're kind of stuck still, you're like, I am continuing to fall in this and that and that, and what he, this verse shows us is, okay, so what that means is, that's who you are apart from Jesus, which means if you're still falling into that, you don't have his grace in that area, Right? So why don't you have his grace? Well, you could say, I have really good theology. I study the Bible. I 
um, I'm in church four times a week and whatever. Okay, it's not going to do it for you. You could say, I have this crazy testimony. If you knew what God pulled me out of, awesome. That's so beautiful. That doesn't give you grace today. You could have had an amazing encounter with God at retreat last year. You could have had an amazing encounter with God at Tuesday night prayer meeting. That doesn't mean you have grace today. What is the difference between people who walk in the grace of God today and those who don't? The first word, come boldly to the throne of grace. The difference between those who are walking in God's grace that helps them live this life that we can't live apart from him. It's those who come to him versus those who don't. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you're coming to him. God having done miracles in your life to him. Remember Jesus, when he taught the disciples how to pray, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Daily bread? You need to get help and grace from God every day? Yes. Wait, you can't live off of yesterday or the week before? No. Try living in your body off of the food you ate a week ago and see how strong you are. Some of us, the thought of having to come before God daily to receive grace, to bring ourselves to him and say, help me, fill me, I need you. We don't like the thought of that. Really, none of us do. None of us want to have to depend on God. You know, that's the original state of our sin in our hearts. We want to be the gods of our own lives. I want to be independent. And then in areas where I've kind of really begin to blow my life up or I see that I'm super weak, that's when I'm like, all right, God, I can use your help now. But again, God made you for him to be everything in and through you. Is it a lot to act to, for God to say, you have to come to me every day? Maybe you're like, man, that's a lot. Is eating food every day a lot? Is having to drink water, do you get annoyed at the fact that you have to drink water when you're thirsty? Like, ah, I got to do this again. Let me go eat this incredible food. I'm really hungry. It's like, no. And in our souls, how is it any different? Our souls were made for the grace of God. Yet, we settle for everything but that. We hear that this throne of grace is open, but we continue to stand him up when he's calling us to meet him there. And so what ends up happening in our life? When you're not filled with the grace of God, you're left with yourself. If you think that through this progression of you beginning to trust God, God's doing so many amazing things in so many people here's lives, in everybody here's lives. The fact that you're here, God's doing something amazing in your life. But growing in God is not you becoming less sinful in yourself. It's you being filled with more of Jesus. Luke Petri is never going to not be Luke Petri. I'm never going to outgrow my sin. That's why Paul gets to a place where he says, it's not me living anymore. It's Christ living through me. This power, this joy, the blessing, the supernatural life is not us becoming stronger with the stuff God gives us. It's us becoming less and him becoming more. And as he becomes more in us and we're receiving more of his grace, we walk in power. We walk in holiness, joy. We have wisdom. We are victorious. That's why there's this famous quote from a guy named Leonard Ravenhill. 
who said, nobody is stronger than their prayer life. If that's true, which I think biblically it's clear today it is, what does that say about the strength of your life right now? What does your prayer life look like? Is it just great if you believe the right stuff? Awesome if you talk to some people about Jesus. Do you talk to Jesus? Do you get alone with him and bring the needs of your life before him? Are you, like, you know, a lot of us, we have such passive prayer lives, right? It's like things get hard, and then it's just like, hey, God, help me really quick, and then we're just back to our routines. And we know that, like, praying, walking through, the Bible says, always be in prayer. So, yes, as we're sitting here, as you're talking to people, you can have this ongoing conversation with God, but you see, to Jesus, that wasn't enough. He wasn't just passively, only in certain situations, inviting God into the things that was going on in his life. He got alone with God. He woke up early in the morning. Late at night, when everybody went away, he was alone with Jesus, with, with the Father. And there he found grace. There he found strength. And so my challenge, my questions to you today is, with the ordering of your life, the way that you, your free time is filled, the busyness, the constant hustle, or the constant distraction and entertainment of your life, what trajectory is your soul on in God in that? If this is just talking to people about God, going to, going to church is amazing, but nothing replaces the quiet place alone with the Father. You are only as filled with grace as you are seeking him, getting alone with him, inviting him into everything that's going on in your life. So I'm going to begin to close in a sec, but the question then becomes, if this is true, the throne of grace is open, God wants to fill us, he wants to give us every good thing that our soul needs, he wants to give us power, clarity, wisdom, direction, all of this, why don't we do it? And I think, two things today I want to put my finger on. That verse that I mentioned earlier where Jesus says, the son can do nothing on his own. In that, we see the most beautiful example of somebody seeing the frailty of their human nature. Jesus models to us how in touch with the need that he had, that he was, you know, it's impossible to be strong in prayer when you don't see your need clearly. When you think you're strong, that's when you know you are walking in weakness. But Paul teaches to the one who owns their weakness, that's where the strength of God comes and fills them. A lot of us are under this delusion that you have what it takes, that you don't really need God. Sure, you can involve him in a couple things, but it's just when things hit the fan, that's when you really need to begin to count on him. When God is looking at you and saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. Daily, I want to give you daily bread. That is the clarity, renewal in your heart. I'm going to make your heart tender and warm in my presence daily. Yet, you don't think you need that. You think you're good. You think you can keep a balanced diet of the things that you're taking in your heart that will just keep you strong in God. And God is just looking and saying, like, I've been waiting here for you. Yet, you think you don't need me. I'm telling you, you could do nothing apart from me, yet you think you're good. You see, for a lot of us, 
the beauty that comes out of the struggle that we have with our own sin. Not that our struggle in sin is good, but the more clearly you see who you are apart from God, the better of a place you're in. A lot of us, when we fall and we mess up, and we wake up and we're like, whoa, how did I find myself here? What's happening? I'm better than this. I thought I should be better than this. And God's like, no, you're not better than this. That's who you are apart from me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And if you see as you fall, as you're continuing in the same thing, like don't run away from that. Don't make that fill you with shame and keep your head down or try to make yourself better. Realize that's the you that I came to save and fill. Own it. When you see your need, when you see your selfishness, when you see these patterns that you can't break, the best thing you could do is own it and bring it to God. Say, Jesus, this is who I am apart from you, and that's why I needed the throne of grace to be open for my life. Independent, apart from you, I got nothing going except sin, which leads to death. But thank God you have opened this throne of grace, and you don't withhold anything from me. If I seek you, I will find you. The Bible says, if you ask anything according to his will, how do we know his will? The life he's called us to live, the commands he's given us on what our life is supposed to look like, that's his will. And the Bible says, if you ask anything in line with his will, he will give it to you. So God's literally looking at us and saying, I want to pour my grace into your heart to free you from sin, to free you from yourself. But you need to come. And in order to come, you got to see your need for God. And that's why a beautiful thing that I've been praying over my life, I pray over all of you today, is that we wouldn't be under some delusion that we kind of need God only in a couple areas, but that God would open our eyes to see who we are apart from him and that that would drive us to the throne of grace daily, that we would wake up and that we would say more than anything today. It's like, think if you were about to run a marathon and some acquaintance of your friend, of your mom that you always feel kind of obligated to like talk to when they're around, but they're never really good conversations. Like, let's say you're about to get running in a marathon. You are going to get some food from a restaurant and get charged up. You know what's about to go down. And then this lady comes and says, oh, you've grown so much. You look so good. How's your cousin doing? When you know you're about to run a marathon and you know your body needs that fuel, you just say, hey, good to see you. And you just keep going, right? It's hard to be distracted by things that don't matter when you see your need clearly, right? Daily, the first thing, really, this is, this is something, internalize this in your heart. When we wake up in the morning, the first thing, we need God to help us feel this. It needs to be, God, I need you today. I come to your throne of grace to get grace, power, peace, all of these things. This is all I've got going on in my day today. I'm inviting you into all of it. I'm bringing this all before you because apart from you, I can do nothing. That needs to be our daily practice. So the first thing is we have to see our need clearly. The second thing right before we close is, so you see when Jesus went to go spend time with God, it says he left everybody. One of those verses said he went into like a desert. Why? Why couldn't he have just prayed with all the people and the noise and the unpredictable things that were going to be thrown in his face? Because nothing could get in the way of what he needed. 
He knew, apart from Jesus, apart from God, I can do nothing. My soul needs daily bread today. I need strength and power from God. And I'm not going to allow myself to be positioned to be distracted in any way. No person, no thing can get in the way right now of what I need from the Lord. Again, the busyness of our life. The constant, like, you all know the feeling. Trying to think, I got to go spend time with God. And then you just start thinking, of all of these errands that don't matter, that it's like, ah, well, let me just first, uh, you know, I have to go on Amazon and buy eggs real quick. I have no idea what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, scratch that one. Um, But you just start thinking like, well, uh, and and it's like everything in our flesh, that busyness where it's just like, ah, but I got to do this and I got to do that or whatever. Or on the other hand, the, the, the speed, like when you think of how stimulated, we are in our generation, having grown up with media and entertainment the way it is, that we are so constantly like, ah, I need to scroll, ah, I need to watch something, ah, YouTube, and I have YouTube and Instagram going on at the same time, and, uh, and it's just like, there's just this thing of, there's no rest, there's no slowing down, right? And at the pace of our hearts, when we're so distracted and overstimulated with media, it's impossible to slow down and feel your need for God and wait on him and just come near to him. The days that are the hardest for me to seek God, it's so crazy because I can some days be so excited that like today I'm going to meet the Lord. I'm going to get strength, grace. I'm going to hear from him. And then I just am like, pull my phone out, begin to scroll on something. And before I know it, I just feel my soul is moving at this speed that I'm just like, I can't slow down right now. Like I can't, to get alone with God, I'm just like, "Ah, I just need a little bit more and a little bit more. And then before you know it, your day just flies by, right? Think of just how you spend your time. Think of how you spend your life. Is there any room for slowing down quietness in the presence of God? It's not just like, uh, I'm about to go to work, so let me just look at the Bible app really quick. All right, seven minutes, we're good. It's like Jesus, God alone, went away from everybody, waited on God, praised God, sat in quietness, brought his needs, thanked God. And in all of that, this renewal, this power, this strength came. My, my challenge for us here tonight is, for so many of us, because we're just on this thing of go to church, kind of read the Bible a little bit, uh, have good conversations with people, and then try to kind of pray a little bit, but that's it. It's like, when you look at your life and you're just like, why am I still stuck in this? After hearing this, doesn't it make sense a little bit? It's like the thing that you really need the most, you're looking to the least. Sermons can't do it for you. Good conversations, other people just praying for you can't do it for you. If you don't become a person of God's presence who sees your need and sees the throne of grace open and begins to live there daily, making extended trips of just spending time with God, waiting on him, being with him, that being, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, everything else will be given to you, right? Being like, I'm going to seek God above anything else in my life. I'm going to take, give him my time, my heart. For a lot of us, if we were to just spend two weeks of just saying, all right, even if it's hard, even if whatever, I'm going to just take an hour of my day and cut off from all of the other stuff that I have going on and just wait on God. Open his word, pour my heart out before him, invite him into all of the needs of my life. If you were to just do that for two weeks, I promise you, you would come out a transformed person. Why? Because 
the thing that's going to get you from where you are to where you need to be is not more sermons. It's not just better conversations. It's the power and the grace of God, which the Bible says, this Holy Spirit who comes and fills you with everything you need. Jesus says, if you evil fathers give good gifts to your sons, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? God cares more about you walking in victory and all that he has for you than you do. But my wake-up call for myself, for you today is enough of just complaining, being negative. Why me? Why am I still stuck? Why? It's like he's saying, the throne of grace is open. Boldly come to it. Come and seek me. You will find me. Turn from all of these other things that are competing for your attention and your time and whatever. Maybe you need to take a fast from entertainment and media. Maybe the busy schedule that you have, don't believe the lie that you're too busy to spend meaningful time with God. Nobody here is. If you really believe that about your life, you are believing a lie. Say, God, what is this supposed to look like for my life now? Like, I need to seek you. I need to spend time in your presence daily. If Jesus needed to do it, oh yeah, I need to do it too. And you could begin to play, but the last thought that I have for you guys is this. You know, I felt like God showed me this in college, and this is something that so encouraged me and stirred my heart. It's like sometimes you can look at certain people and what they have in God. Like you just see certain people where it's like the power that they're living in, the joy, the peace, where you're just like God has done something real in that person. And what I want to encourage you with today is that person has no less access to the throne of grace than you do. The difference between you and them is they've gone to it. And so when you look at your life today, like I'm pleading with you, when you see what the gospel means for your life and that Jesus says, seek me and you'll find me. We can't just be a group of people who believe the right things, who can talk about Jesus really good. We have to become people of his presence because that's the only thing that's gonna give us the power we need to live this life out. Other than that, it's gonna be us trying to put our best face forward, trying to convince everybody that, We've got our stuff together when we're still just kind of broken in our flesh. The only solution to the brokenness of our flesh is the grace of God. And he's saying it's yours in Christ. So come and take it now. And so we're going to close. Um, and I want to pray for us. But the, the practical is this. Number one, whatever the need is of your life today, look at the areas where you're stuck in your selfishness, in your laziness, in fill in whatever the blank is. Jesus is saying, what I've done for you on the cross in giving you my spirit is so that holiness, power, and victory can come into that area. That's what I've committed to doing in your life. The only thing holding you back from that is yourself, is you not coming and seeking and receiving what I'm giving you. That happens in a moment, right? Right now, we can come to God and say, God, fill me with grace. Help me now. I'm, I'm looking to you. I'm gonna believe that, yes, this is who I am apart from you, but because of the gospel, because of what Jesus has done, that you're gonna give me this grace to live this life. But even more than that, one thing that all of us here need the grace of God for is that 
this wouldn't just be a moment at an altar, but that this would become our life daily. We need to become people who daily seek him and find him, who daily bring whatever the needs are, whatever the struggles, whatever the weakness, whatever the lack of clarity, need for wisdom, need for direction. He says, seek me, you'll find me. You'll find all of, the, all of your needs met in me. My challenge to you today is, it's not just at an altar now, saying, God, help me, right? We have to say, God, help me to now begin to trust you in this way. Help me to see my need clearer than ever before and help me, give me grace. Still apart from you, I can do nothing. My heart wants to go a different direction from you, but grace to daily walk in your presence, to daily come to your throne of grace. I need you to change the way I see this. I need you to give me greater awareness of the grace that you want to give me. And when we say, God, help me to begin to live this way more, he's going to help you. And so I want to just lead us in prayer right now. Lynette, just by herself, she can come up and she's going to just sing a song as we pray together. Um, but I want to just give us this opportunity to get in our hearts before the Lord. For whatever the struggles and the battles of your life are today, I encourage you right now to look to Jesus and say, Jesus, you are my hope for this. There's no hope within me. There's no help anywhere else in this world. But the gospel is true and the throne of grace is open. And I'm putting my faith, God, that you will see me through this. You are going to bring victory. You're going to bring your grace that will overcome my sin and the sin of those around me. give us all an opportunity to before God again his word says he gives us the desire and the power to live the life he's called us to live and I look at my life and I see I have not remotely sought him the way that I know he's called me to I've left so much on the table I've chosen so many things other than him but daily I want new faith to seek him to bring my needs before him, to look to him before I look to anything else, to not have a life dominated by busyness and distraction and entertainment, but for him to be the first love of my life. He will help us to live this way. And so Lynette's gonna begin to help lead this song, Lord, I need you. But if you're here and you just look at your life and you're like, if my strength is dependent on my prayer life, I can see a lot of my weaknesses because I haven't really sought him. If you're here and you wanna say, God, I wanna seek you more than ever before. Make me into a person of your presence. Help me to daily come to you to receive daily bread and like Jesus, spend time with you to find renewal and strength and grace. If you say, God, help me to become this way, just stand up where you are as we begin to sing this song together.
We hope you are encouraged by today's message. To connect with us, visit our ministry page at brooklyntabernacle.org or you can follow us on our Instagram at SanctusNYC.